0: that you're here uh, today. If you're in the auditorium, if you're on the atrium, glad you're out there. And if you're watching online, glad that you've joined us today as well. Well, I brought a couple old school items with me today. The first one is a, yeah, you all know what this is. How many of you have or had one of these ever in your life? I mean, they're just cool, aren't they? They just, it's just fun, isn't it? It's just fun. They were created in 19... 19- 43. I mean, that's old school, right? Started selling in 1945, and since then have sold 300 million Slinkies with an annual sale of 4 million Slinkies still. Who, who wants this one? There you go, Deborah. You can have the Slinky. All right, another one. No, I'm not going to pull out a car eventually, so don't worry. What's this? Rubik's Cube. Created... By a 29-year-old Hungarian in 1974, started selling in 1980. So almost 40 years old, still selling like crazy. Over 350 million people have bought Rubik's Cubes. And the cool thing is, well, maybe not so cool, is there are 519 quintillion possibilities of colors on each side. How many of you have tried a Rubik's Cube? How many of you solved it without looking at the solutions? Way to go. A few people. Most of us, actually, they've estimated that one in seven people on the planet, that's a billion people, have tried to solve this and thrown it against the wall out of frustration. (laughs) What do you think the world record is for solving a Rubik's Cube puzzle? How many minutes or seconds? We have a video right here. go, go, all right, there it is, there's it, 4.22 seconds, pretty fast, who wants this Rufus cube, there you go, don't play with that during church, there you go, Mr. Rogers, old school, right, Old school, I mean, cardigan sweater, blue sneakers, he called them. But 905 episodes, one of the longest running television shows in television history. That is old school. And you remember the theme song? You remember it? Yeah, Won't You Be My Neighbor? You might remember when we actually did a series a few years ago, and this is how we kicked off. The message. Let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be? Won't you be? Please? Won't you be my neighbor? Hello, neighbor. Well, when Tom Hanks saw that video clip, he thought, I can do better than that. So this fall, there's going to be a new movie released called Won't You Be My Neighbor? Starring Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers and you look for it in November. Got a little competition with, with uh, Tom Hanks. But Mr. Rogers, old school values, old school idea. There was, even though he took on all kinds of topics, death, war, racism, divorce, there was one central theme that he always came back to, and what is it? Neighboring. Won't you be my neighbor? Because he understood that all those topics are all related around this one central theme, the whole idea of being a good neighbor. But that idea goes back way further than Mr. Rogers. In fact, a guy came, a church community leader, (coughs) came to Jesus one day, And he said, Jesus, what's the most important value? What's the most important commandment according to God? What's the most important thing human beings can do? And and this is how Jesus responded. It's in Mark 12. It's printed in your program notes. You can pull them out right now. It's up on the screens. This leader asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one to answer Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus took his answer straight out of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, chapter 4, the most sacred text of the entire Hebrew Bible. So sacred that they had a name for it. They called it the Shema, which is the Hebrew word for to hear, for hearing. And Jesus responded, he said, you know, there's one God who made everything, and the best life possible for people is when they love God. With everything they have, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And everybody in the audience was going, right on, Jesus, you got the answer. And then without taking a breath, Jesus says, but there's a, there's a second command. He says, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And people's jaws dropped. I mean, this young whippersnapper rabbi is adding to the sacred Shema? Are you kidding me? The most sacred text And Jesus is saying, I can't do it with just one. It's not possible to have the best life that God wants us without loving God and loving our neighbors. Those two things are inextricably together. It's one command, but it's two things. That's what Jesus says. And Jesus knows that in order for God's desire and design and delight to be experienced in life, it involves a loving relationship with God. And a loving relationship with our neighbors. And if either one of those is interrupted, Jesus goes, there's more to life. There's more to life. In fact, in 1 John 4, 20, it says, if you say that you love God, but don't love your neighbor, you're a liar. And what's implied there is, we become most like what we most love. And if we love God, we will become like God. And God loves your neighbors. And he says, if you love God, you're gonna take on God's character of loving your neighbors. Galatians 5.14, Paul says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That, that statement is so important. Jesus repeats it eight times. And over the last 2,000 years, it's become known as the great commandment. And for 2,000 years, that's what it's been. And the whole Bible emphasizes the absolute priority of loving our neighbors. You see, we cannot cannot succeed in life if we fail at love. We cannot fail at life if we succeed in love. And Jesus is not talking about the kind of sentimental feelings that we often equate with love. To, To love our neighbors is to intend their good as God defines good. And to love our neighbors is simply to desire for them the best life possible for them which in this case would be for them to love God and them to love their neighbors. Author and professor Dallas Willard describes what happens when people love each other. He says, the natural condition of life for human beings is one of reciprocal rootedness in others. As firmness of footing is a condition of walking, so assurance of others being for us, loving us is the condition of stable, healthy living. It must be there. If it's not, we are but walking wounded, our life more or less a shambles until we die. He calls calls these little communities circles of sufficiency. And imagine if I'm standing on the stage and I'm standing on this little circular platform. And for every child, the first circle of sufficiency that that child needs is a mom and a dad who loves that child. And to the extent that mom and dad love that kid, that kid is going to have a stable life. He's going to grow up knowing that that child is important, that I'm loved, and that provides that stability early in life. Now, imagine if there's another circle around that one that involves a healthy, loving, extended family. Now the child has a bigger foundation, more stability, more health. And if that Extended family is in loving relationships with, with each other. Then that child is going to recipient of even more caring and more love. Now put that family in a church family. A healthy church family. And the, and the platform is just extended. It goes way out there. And that's our hope and desire of children here at Crossroads. That as you relate, as we learn to relate to each other. And we will learn to relate to that child and that child's family to the extent that we're healthy and growing and thriving, that child, each of us, will have the potential of great love and great growth. Now, if that circle, our church, which it is, is in the circle of the most sufficient circle ever, God himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that community, well, the result is staggeringly beautiful, fragile, but unbelievably beautiful. Beautiful. And if our church is harmonious and we care about each other and we love each other, we all have the most potential for the best life possible. And when these human circles of sufficiency root their lives, their love, their strength, and their joy in God, it's the best life possible here for us, isn't it? One of the most popular TED Talks in the last decade was given by a musician and composer named Eric Whitaker. And in 2013, he conducted a choir of 5,905 people. Interesting about it, from 101 different countries on a budget of $100,000. They, they, these people never practiced together. They never were in the same room together. And they never heard the final performance until the final performance. How'd they do it? He and his team put together videos From 5,905 people. Videos came from all over the world. Including Iran, Syria, Lebanon and Cuba. The youngest singer was six. And the oldest was 98. From every race, creed and color. And here's a clip from that performance. It's called Fly to Paradise. amazing isn't it? Amazing. Whitaker said that people went to insane lengths just to be a part of this. Why? He said it was amazing to watch people come together for one reason and one reason only to be a part of something larger than themselves. And that drive, that desire to be a part of a harmonious community a large circle of sufficiency larger than themselves well it's in all of us isn't it? We want that God put that in us. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, God has also set eternity in the human heart. God set that desire to be a part of something much larger than ourselves in each of us. And in the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, there's this image of what we just kind of saw there, of this massive, huge choir. From every tribe, every language. In Revelation 19, it says, I heard a sound like what? A massed choir in heaven singing, hallelujah. The salvation and glory and power are God's. His judgment's true. His judgment's just. And that's God's vision for the world, for our neighborhoods, for our church. And it all starts with you and me learning to love God and then loving God. Our neighbors. A few years ago, a group of church leaders in Denver got together to think and pray about these questions. What is our dream for our community? What does our city need the most? If we could wave a magic wand and create one change, what would it be? And they met with the mayor of Arvada, Bob Fries, and asked him those questions. And his answer absolutely caught them off guard. He said this The biggest single factor by far that helps a city flourish is when it has a sufficient number of really good neighbors. The biggest difference maker for a city, get this, is actually good neighborhoods. When people do something just as simple as caring for their neighbors, all kinds of good things begin to happen. And here's the natural progression of neighborhood relationship. You move into a neighborhood or someone moves into your neighborhood, they're strangers. And so the natural progression is to become move from stranger to acquaintance, right? That's the first step. And how do you do that? You go there, you find out their name. You find out their name. You know them by name. If we're gonna love people, we need to call them by their names. What's your name? Is that a simple or very profound question? Because our names are one of the most important things about us. In many ways, our names shape our identities. It's not just a label. In a sense, we are our names. And parents often buy these name your baby books. Maybe you did this. And every year they publish a list of the most popular names. Well, here's the list of the most popular names of 2019, according to the Baby Center. For boys, top name, Liam, Noah, Oliver, Elijah, and Lucas. Girls, Olivia, Emma, Ava, Sophia, and Isabella. They, they listed the top 200 names of each gender. Guess where Dennis was? Didn't make the list. Thank you for those who went, oh thank you. 3,237 people are named in the Bible. And I don't know about you, but when I get a list of, to a list of those names, what do you do? You just turn over the page. I mean, why doesn't God just go, and a whole lot of other people? Because God, names are important. Names are are us. And many names carry on a family legacy. How many of you have a name that you share with someone else in your family? Maybe it might be a middle name. Yeah, in our family, my great-grandfather was Victor Anderson. My grandfather, Reuben Victor Anderson. My father, Donald Victor Anderson. So my name is Dennis. No, it's not, actually. I'm middle child. My older brother is Dean Victor. My middle name is Dennis. My name is Dennis Eugene Anderson. And I never thought that name fit me much. Eugene. I mean, do I look like a Eugene to you? Then I read the Latin pronunciation of my middle name. It's Eugenius. So I just want you to try out my name with the Latin middle name. Go ahead. Dennis. Anderson. Now that fits. Now that fits. I like my middle name now. My son named his first son Gabriel Victor Anderson. Why Victor? Because it's shaped our legacy as a family. A name does that. The video I showed you a minute ago of that big choir, the song itself is about five minutes. Then there's nine full minutes on that video of this. Now, if you were watching this video, would you watch this part? Who would watch this part? Who would watch it? The 5,905 people who watch it. I watched it because I'm looking for Dennis's. There are three on the list, by the way. None of them are me. Why? Because our names are important. Our names are important. One of the most worst diseases a human being can suffer is Alzheimer's. Dozens of people have said this to me over the years who has a parent in memory care. It's really sad. I went to visit my mom or dad the other day and they can't even remember my name. And even though inside we know there's a medical reason for what's going on, there is deep pain associated when parents forget the names of their children. To know another's name Is the beginning of a relationship. Isaiah 43. God says. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you. He who formed you. O Israel. Do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You're not a social security number to God. You're not an address. You're not a QR code. You are your name. One of the most famous parables. In in the Bible is Luke 16. Is titled. The rich man and Lazarus. And Jesus tells this story about this beggar named Lazarus who is always at the gate of this rich man. And in most societies, it would be the opposite. We would know the name of the rich person because those are the people with status. Those are the people with clout. Those are the people that matter. We would think of Jeff Bezos or Alice Walton or Bill Gates. We would and the beggar. In fact, this is the only parable in which a person is named as if Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter who you are. What you have, where you've been, where you've come from. In my book, you have a name. You have a name, and God knows it. He knows your name. In Mark 5, Jesus confronts a man whose life, psyche, and relationships were being controlled by evil forces. And in their very first encounter, Jesus walks up to him and he says, What is your name? What is your name? It's who knows how long. Had it been when somebody actually cared to know this man's name, oh, they had titles for him, they had labels. He's the lunatic that lives on the hill. He's that crazy guy. He's that one you want to stay away from in your neighborhood. Nobody knows their name. He's that odd, weird person that moved in down the block. Nobody knows their name. And you wonder how long. Had it been for this man, when somebody had actually looked him in the eye and called him by his name, to know a person's name is the beginning of a relationship. And if we're going to love our neighbors, the first step—I know this seems kind of practical and maybe a little mundane—is just to find out what's their name. Who are you? What is your name? In your program notes on the back side, flip it over. There's a little chart that looks like this. You might remember this from a few years ago when we did this. And so this is a representative of your neighborhood. All right, so everybody take that out. Get a pen. If you need a pen, the ushers will come up the aisles with a pen. If you need one, I want everybody to do this. If you came with someone, you could do this together. But that house in the middle is you. It's where you live. So just write your name in there. I don't care if you live in an apartment building, a townhouse. You just moved into a new neighborhood, whatever. That's where you live. I know some of you are thinking, I live on the end of the street. I live out in the country. Work with me. Would you just work with me here? All right. This person represents the person that lives across the street, behind you, maybe next to you, over here. Who are the people in your neighborhood? Do you know them? Do you know their names? And I'm just going to give you a minute just to kind of check out yourself who are my neighbors so i'm gonna we're gonna put on a little house music and what i want you to do is fill out this is you as many of the neighbors around you as you know first and last names of the adults that live in that house or that apartment or that townhouse all right let's have some house music and uh let's go at it see what you do Everything you've got Taking a break from all your worries Sure would help a lot Wouldn't you like to get away All those nights when you've got no lights The check is in the mail And your little angel Hung the cat up by its tail And your third fiancé didn't show Sometimes you want to go Where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came You want to be where you can see Our troubles are all the same You want to be where everybody knows your name Mm. Roll out of bed, Mr. Coffee's dead The morning's all right so how'd you do? All right How many of you got five? All right? Anybody get five? Oh, awesome. How many of you got all eight of your neighbors? How many of you? That is terrific. actually. The national average, places that do this is 10 percent of the people know eight, all eight of their immediate neighbors. And by the way, you did a lot better than last service. So way, you guys are a lot more loving and friendly than that bunch, just kind of so you know. So that's a representative of your neighborhood. Now, I understand that, but for some of you, this is a lot more difficult. Oh, by the way, that song we we just played, the most famous line is, you want to go where everybody what? Knows your name. Don't you? Don't you want to live in a neighborhood where everybody knows your name? You know, some of you are going, no, not really. (laughs) But your neighbor's want to go and live in a neighborhood where everybody knows everybody. It's just a part of our community. And I understand for some of of you, you know, you're going, Dennis, I'm a lot more quiet. I'm more reserved. I'm more introverted. I'm not as gregarious as you. It's much easier for you to do this. And And I would say that's probably true. It probably is true. Nonetheless, God has gifted you, designed you to love your neighbors. God's designed me to love mine. And so if you're a little more reserved, there are actually people in your neighborhood who will be more They'll be drawn to you because you're that way. Some of my neighbors are probably going, ooh, he's too much. You know, his wife, I, I, I love Barbara, but Dennis, he's like too much. We uh, have lived in our neighborhood for a long time, 20 some years, 30 some years. And uh, we, I've gotten to know a lot of my neighbors, but I have to say, um, our neighborhood changes. We've had two new people move into our neighborhood in the last eight months, and I just figured, you know what, someday I'm going to bump into them, walk into the mailbox or whatever, I'll meet them. And after about three or four months of that, I hadn't. And so one day I was driving by the neighbor's house, I, said, I saw the door was open, I go, I'm going to go meet them. So I just walk up, hey, I'm Dennis, I live three houses down. You've lived here for four months, I'm, I'm actually embarrassed. I haven't stopped by and said hello sooner, welcome to the neighborhood. So I met Devin and Kate that day. But the reason I left this one blank is because and this is actually a little embarrassing to me. We have some people who've lived in our neighborhood since Christmas, Across the street, down a few houses. I haven't taken the time to go introduce myself yet. It's not their responsibility to come meet me. I'm, I'm the host of, I mean, we live here. So I've got a little work to do. Some of you from the show of hands do too. So here's the deal. Between now and the end of the series, all right, it's a four-week series. Uh, see how many of those names you can get filled in. All right, it would be awesome if you could get eight of your neighbors, get the names, start with first names, then add the last names. Then we can begin to add other things as well. In fact, we have a refrigerator magnet that looks a lot like the chart on your program. Grab one of these that are on the tables on your way out. Just start filling in the names. Put it on your refrigerator as a reminder of today, of going, you know what? Neighboring is cool. And I wanna be one of the coolest neighbors in my neighborhood. So the first move is to get to know their names. That's the beginning of a relationship. So we move from strangers to acquaintances. That's the first move. And then we move from acquaintances to friends. And they're all layers and levels of friendships. I get that in a neighborhood. But the second move is to there. And how do we do that? I have four ideas on how to move from acquaintances to friends. And the first one is one everybody can do, and that's to pray. Just begin to pray for your neighbors. And I'm not talking about sitting in your chair in the house or on your back deck to pray. I'm talking about walk your neighborhood and go just pray for those people who live in the house. You don't know their names yet, but you can pray for them. You can pray for them. And when I do this, which I do fairly regularly, I don't do it every day because I don't want my neighbors to think, who's that weird guy? who walks in front of our house every day. Um, But every once in a while, I walk around the neighborhood and I'll pray and I'll pray for different things. You know, so one week, I'm going to pray for their successful work. I want to just be explodingly successful in their work. Another time, I might pray for their children or their grandkids. Another time, I might pray for some kind of breakthrough in their life. We all want breakthroughs of certain kinds. I'll pray for that for them. I'll just wander around the neighborhood praying, walk up and down the street. Sometimes, interestingly enough, I get into these amazing conversations with neighbors simply because I happen to be in front of their house when they're pulling out to go to work or they're driving to the store. Sometimes God creates moments of extending your neighborliness while you're praying. And here's the thing, everybody can pray. We can all do this. And there might be neighbors in your neighborhood that nobody is praying for except you. And there's something powerful can happen. So the first thing is to pray. We can do more than pray after we've prayed. We cannot do more than pray until we've prayed. Here's the second thing. Talk and listen. Now, you're going, Dennis, you have any profound thoughts in here? Like this is normal everyday stuff. It really is normal everyday stuff. It seems like a no-brainer, but it's not easy. James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In our culture, everybody is quick to speak, slow to listen, and we get angry fast. That can happen in neighborhoods. In fact, I was talking to the former neighborhood administrator of the city of Fort Collins one day, and she said this Neighbors may do something like put up a fence, get a new puppy, or paint a building, and someone takes the impacts of these actions personally rather than seeking to understand the decision making that was actually involved. The impacts are often not shared. Therefore, it creates conflict, which is unresolved, until the emotion is so high from the other party that it comes across as an attack. She says, if I could wave a magic wand, I would teach consensus decision-making and listening skills to all neighborhoods. We would spend time really listening to understand each other. Uh, uh, A couple years ago, our neighbors decided to pour this big patio in their backyard. Big, beautiful, stamped patio. And it was beautiful. We loved it. The patio came about four feet from our boundary, our property line in our backyard. We had our swing set right there, and then our patio was there. And so they began to hang out on their patio. We'd hang out on our patio. And it's like, it's like we're like in each other's party. And it was this kind of like you kind of see him, you don't know whether to talk to him or not. And so we decided maybe we should put up, we don't really like fences in our neighborhood. We don't like, you know, we don't have a lot of fences around our house. Um, but we thought maybe we need to put up something just to create a little separation. And so Barbara and I thought about it. We designed this little separation thing. And then we went over and said, you know what? We should talk to them and tell them what we're doing. So here's what we ended up with. Between You could see that big, beautiful patio right on the other side of this little separation. But we designed this. That's it. There's three sections there. Um, our patio is you know this side of that. Um, but when we first explained that we wanted to put up a little fence, they looked kind of perplexed and confused. And we talked about what it, we drew in a picture. They kind of warmed up to the idea. Then as we were putting it up, they loved it. In fact, they offered to help pay for it, which is always great. Um, and that's kind of where we ended up with that fence. And you'll notice that there's a little track right here. Oh, this is good, guys. Right there. There's a little track right there right? There it is. There's a little track there because the neighbors have grandkids and our swing set is right on this side. In this picture, you could see the blue swing set, which the swing actually swing sets are the swing belongs to the neighbors. Um, they put it on there. Our grandkids swing there, their kids swing there. In fact, just this morning, Barbara and I were talking about, we love to get up or we're at the house and we hear the neighbor's grandkids giggling and laughing on our swing set. We just love it. It's just great. And it, there could have been a lot of, you know, questions. There could have been a lot of disruption in our relationship. We just thrown up this fence, didn't tell them, didn't talk to them about it. But because we took the time to listen and talk and explain it, we ended up in a really good place with our neighbors. And we can do that. I was, uh, we moved a, a new person into my son's house this week. And I thought, this woman is going to make a great neighbor. Because when I introduced him to the, to the men who lived next door, she said to them in their first encounter, I have a dog. And I'm not sure he's gonna, how he's gonna react. So if he barks during the day when I'm gone or anytime I'm gone, I want you to let me know. I mean, man, that, just that. How many neighborhood relationships have been wrecked because of a barking dog? Yeah. Just that little act of neighboring. I thought, she's gonna be a great neighbor. She just talked and listened. So that's another thing we can do talk and listen. Here's number three do kind things. Do kind things. I found this note on our kitchen table one day when we came home. It says, I broke in and stole some carrots. Lori P. (laughs) Lori Pandy. Broke in, she knows where our key is. Broke in, so we called her up, go, Lori, that's awesome. Thank you for doing that. You know, I love it when neighbors do this, actually. They feel like they know you well enough they can break into your house. (laughs) She said, feel free to do the same. So a few weeks ago, we broke into their house. We stole their Harry Potter DVD set. And this week, I realized they're gone for the whole week. And he just bought a brand new Corvette. <laughs> I have a chainsaw. One of the few in the neighborhood. Uh, one day, uh, I had it out. We were cutting down some trees. I was hot, kind of sweaty. And uh, I had wood chips kind of all over me and I noticed that our neighbor down the street Brian and Becky uh, had a dead completely dead plum tree in their front yard and so it was the year that the frost killed every plum tree in town so I just went over there and I you know I'm all sweaty and my chainsaw's hot and I knock on the door Brian comes to the door he, look, he opens the door about this wide, looks out shuts the door <laughs> puts the chain on then opens the door and says yes I said hey you want to help I got my saw. You want to cut down that tree? And he said, sure. So we went out, cut down the tree. Three days later, I walk into our living room. There's a, there is a loaf of fresh cranberry bread on our dining room table, sitting there, with this note. Dennis and Barb, thanks for being our neighbors, Brian and Becky. You know, you, a lot of you are really good at this stuff, but here's the deal. A little kindness can go a long way to build a relationship. Just little kindness acts of daily kindness whatever they are the first step in getting loving our neighbor is simply just know their names find out their names the second step is then begin to do these little acts of loving things and then once in a while you're going to do number four organize a block party organize a block party this is one of the best things you can do not only will this enhance your relationship with all the neighbors that come even the ones that don't come the fact that you invited them is cool when they show up at a block party, they're gonna to get to know each other as well. They want to get to know each other. Most neighbors do. What they don't want to do is throw a party. So we can do that part. We can, and you don't even have to have it at your help. You just have to organize it. You might have someone in the neighborhood that has a better spot than you. And Barbara and I have thrown a lot of neighborhood parties over the year, hosted them at our, at our, at our house. But we've moved to a much more simple uh, way of doing this. Um, We actually encouraged people last Halloween to to have a block party before Halloween. Everybody's out. Everybody's around anyway. So we, honestly, we were a little skeptical. There's a couple of staff, like they're pros at this. They do this every Halloween. We thought, well, let's give it a shot in our neighborhood. So we made a little, simple little invitation. I went around and uh, knocked on the doors. There's about 23 houses in our little kind of defined, we have two cul-de-sac neighborhood. So I, you know, if they weren't home, I just taped it to the front door, the invitation. If they were home, I said, hey, we're having this little, I call it a stand-up driveway party, right? It's stand-up, which tells people it's gonna be short. You are not gonna get me in their backyard and expect me to stay all night. And it's a driveway party. It's like, hey, I could just show up, drop in, drop out. Um, we, we made it very simple. I said, I'm gonna have hot dogs and we're gonna have chips and salsa and something to drink, that's it. And people were, you know, okay, hey, what can I bring all that business Um, And, but we thought, well, what's going to happen? It was for an hour, five to six. And so we got all ready and people started showing up, showing up, showing up. 18 households out of our 23 showed up for our one hour little chips and salsa hot dog block party. And it was obvious to us, our neighbors want to come to these things. They don't want to do them. They want to come to them. So sometimes all we have to do is be the, all we have to provide is the spark or maybe the chips and salsa because that's all people need. They just need something. And you and I can be the ones to do this. It doesn't matter if you're in a neighborhood, if you're in an apartment, if you're in a townhouse, there is a way to do this. And I hope that you'll do that. If we have a handout up here, you can pick it up after the service right here called Neighborhood Block Party Kit with all kinds of ideas of how to do this. And I hope that this fall sometime, once the sort of dust from start of school and fall all settles, that you'll consider, you know what? Let's, let's throw a party. You can find a neighbor that will help you. And, and you could do this. Start small. Invite, just invite this many people. You might not even know their names yet. Because the value of being a good neighbor is old school, it's as old as Jesus. It's as old as the Bible. Because God said from the beginning, I want you to love me and I want you to love your neighbors as you love yourself. And I don't know what the reasons are for you living in the neighborhood where you live. I don't know what they are. It might have been, we like the school. We like the house. We like the area. We like the city. And I, I did a little math on this. If, if every Crossroads family got to know eight of the households, eight of their neighbors, there would be 10,000 people in Northern Colorado that are gonna feel the love of this circle of sufficiency called Crossroads. 10,000 people. And where does it start? Just walk across the street, knock on the door, say, hi, I'm your neighbor. I'd like to introduce ourselves. That's where it starts. It's simple. No matter what your reasons for living where you are, here's a bigger reason. It's in Acts 17, 26. From one man, Jesus, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And here's the point. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And what this means for you and me is God has put you in your home in your apartment building, in your townhouse, not to just carry on with our little lives, but he put us at this time in history in your particular address because he wants to have a profound impact on them through you. He put you there to love the people around you, to befriend them, to do acts of kindness, to listen and care. Why? The next verse says God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Would you stand with me and we'll pray. So maybe just, you know, bow your heads. Think about some of the people. Think about where you live. You might know some of the people. You might think of their names, their their faces come to your mind. Or at this point it might just be a house. With some people that drive in and drive out. Or they might be just down the hall. And you hear them coming and going. You don't really know who they are. Maybe you've seen them. So God I pray today. That you would help us take the next steps. In loving our neighbor. And it's not rocket science. It's not, it's, it's not easy. But it just takes a moment of walking across. Walking down the hall. Say hi. I'm Dennis. I'm so and so. I'd like to get to know you. We're neighbors. So God, empower us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Dennis. Oh, I am inspired. Dave and I are moving this week. We are moving from a house we built thirty years ago, a mile away, remodeling a house in downtown Loveland, and we move this week. So my squares are full from my Knollwood Court neighbors of thirty years, and I have six people that I know at least someone in the family's name. So I'm filling this out, and you've taken some of the sting out of leaving. Thank you. This is this is wonderful. Um, there is a magnet. As you go out the door, so grab one of those if you would like to. There are the neighborhood block party packets down here. We have prayer team members over here and over here, at least over here. Deborah is up here to pray with you if you'd like prayer in person. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next weekend, everybody.